Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. Our next guest was a pioneer in the field of sports writing, one of the first women to cover sports on a national basis for newspapers in this country, Diane Shaw. Her new book, a memoir, is a farewell to arms, legs, and jockstraps. Diane, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Diane, it's been a long time. We worked together, um, as we were talking before this interview started, about 20 years ago. You were a panelist on a show I used to host on ESPN Classic called Classic Sports Reporters. We've lost many of uh, the other panelists, um, but it is a pleasure to have you on the show now talking about this this terrific memoir, looking back at a moment in time, not so long ago chronologically, but in terms of what you had to deal with. And the doors you sometimes literally had to knock down, it seems like uh, another world. What was it like being a woman in this industry 40 years ago, 50 years ago? Well, I'm going to go back even a little further because when I got out of uh, college, I got a journalism degree at Indiana University, and I went looking for a job. And um, I had gotten married, and I remember several editors uh, that I reached, uh, managing editors, hi, I'm looking for a job. Well, you just got married. You'll be having babies. We can't hire you. <laughs> and there was one editor, I think he was with maybe eight, one of the wire services, and he said, we have an opening on the four to midnight shift, but we would never give that to a girl. So that was the world I started out in. Um, and when it came to sports writing, I, I didn't know if there were any other women sports writers. But I was I was so naive, Jeremy. I I thought it was because no women were interested in being sports writers. Um, I didn't realize <laughs> that there was this brick wall. Um, so I started, and um, the problems came when I got hired by the Los Angeles Herald Examiner as a columnist. I was told the first female sports columnist in the country for a daily paper. And um, I found that several of the teams in Los Angeles weren't welcoming me. Um, and one of them was the Raiders. The Raiders had just moved from Oakland to Los Angeles. That was 1982. Um and the season started, there were two games, and then there was a strike or a walkout. Anyway, there were a bunch of games that didn't happen. And during that, and I had been told that I couldn't go into the Raiders' locker room. So during the strike, I called, uh, I called up the coach, and um, I wanted to t- talk to him. Tom Flores was his name. What is it like, you know, preparing for games that you're not going to play? And we had a nice conversation. And then I said to him, um, if I could have another minute of your time, um, I, I understand you don't let women in the locker room. He said, oh, no, absolutely not. And I said, well, coach, I need to get into the locker room. He said, no, 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 no way we can let you in the locker room. And he said, um, we just it, it just can't happen. And I said, well, look, I know I know this is weird. I said, my mother didn't raise me to do business with naked men, but this is my job. Here I am. I have to get in. 
And he said, I don't know if you realize, but last year, some of the Raiders took two male sports writers and threw them in a garbage can. I don't know what they would do to you. So I said, um, look, let me in. If they're really, really mean to me, I'll cry. What, what do you think he meant by that, <laughs> Diane? I mean, I mean, it almost it almost sounds like a... I guess a threat's not the right word, but I mean, what, what do you think was, now obviously, you know, part of it is just, it hadn't happened, but there was this entrenched misogyny. Um, what do you think they were afraid of? And it wasn't just the Raiders. It, it was most locker rooms in sports, in men's sports, were barred to women. Yes, I got uh, one little insight. By the way, just to finish that story, they did let me in, and nobody threw me in a garbage can, so I survived the Raiders. Um, <laughs> but uh, prior to that, uh, the the what were they called? The California Angels. They're now the Los Angeles Angels of, of Anaheim. Anaheim, I think. And al- although originally they were the L.A. Angels, then they became the California Angels, now they're the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. I think I have the sequence correct, but but go ahead. I think I think you've got it right. The story I'm telling, they were the California Angels, and I was led in the locker room, no problem. But I had never actually gone in after a game. When they played at home, I, I would stay for a few innings and, and drive home. Um, but this particular year, uh, Labor Day weekend came. They were fighting for a place in, in the playoffs, and they were off to Boston for five games, a five-game holiday weekend, and I decided to go. So I went. The Angels lost all five games. And after the fifth game, into the locker room, I went. And as you know, Jeremy, the first thing you do is you go see the manager or the coach. So I walked into the manager was a man named Gene Mock. I walked into his office. There were, I don't know, four or five other male reporters in there. I walked in. I start to open my notebook, and Gene Mock stopped speaking in the middle of a sentence and walked out. And the other reporters are going, huh, what's, what, what's this? But I knew. So I waited, and a while later I went back. He was dressed in his street clothes, and I said, Gene, did you walk out because of me? And he said, yes, I did. And he said, it makes me sick to my stomach to see you walking around in front of all these naked players, guys. Um, you remind me of my daughter. It makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. And then, Jeremy, he started to cry. Wow. And I thought, oh, now what do I do? Um, I realized at that time that it was upsetting to men, too, that maybe it was more than a prejudice. It was just something new, and they hadn't dealt with it. They weren't sure how to deal with it. Um, and I think maybe being one of the first, I, in a way, was lucky because since they didn't know how to treat me, they just answered my questions, which is all I ever wanted. We're speaking with Diane K. Shaw. Her new memoir is A Farewell to Arms, Legs, and Jock Straps. You, you had to be, you, you were doing your job, but you also had to be a pioneer and you had to fight all of these other fights as well. What kind of a toll did that take on you? Um, I know this isn't interesting. Uh, somehow, Jeremy, I just was able to deal with it. One of the things you learn pretty quickly, as I'm sure you have, um, athletes are very competitive. 
They like to get on each other, play tricks on each other, um, joke with each other, and they treat anybody that walks into the locker room the same way, including reporters. And so I found that I could just give it back. And it wasn't that I was so funny or so witty, but they could see I could play. And when you play, they'll leave you alone. And I really didn't have trouble um, with with the – I mean, there's obviously there were a few guys that were sort of obnoxious, um, but they were usually obnoxious to everybody, not just me. Um, so I didn't – once I the, – the big problem was getting in the door. Once I was in the door – I was really okay. It, but it, it's not just about the athletes and the managers and the coaches, but also about your colleagues. And some were very uh, welcoming and, and others were not, I imagine. Yes. Um, well, it was one interesting uh, example. That, that Many of them were very, very nice and helpful. The ones that weren't or the ones that I think were resentful or wasn't, weren't happy that I was there, they kind of kept quiet. Um, nobody really bothered me, um, but uh, Georgia Frontieri, who owned the Rams, the only female football owner, uh, refused to let me in her locker room, her guy's locker room. And uh, the paper I worked for, the L.A. Herald-Examiner, without telling me, sued the Rams, which I was not happy about. Um, and she tried to impress you with her knowledge of the game as well, as I recall <laughs> from the book. Yes. Well, she wanted a, a running back who could throw or something like that she was looking. Um, right. But so uh, the judge in this case said, okay, uh, Rams, either you let everybody in or nobody in. So the Rams said, we're not letting anybody in our locker room. And... I get to Anaheim for the game that Sunday, and, you know, all the guys in the press box are kind of looking at me. And, um, yeah, this is the last thing you need. Well, not only that, but I, I, I was – NBC interviewed me. You know, I was all over the place, and I thought, oh, God, my parents are probably – you know, here's their daughter wanting to see naked men, and it's going all over the country. But um, so what happened after the game was we were – ushered into the like the bowels of the stadium and there was a room set up with folding chairs and in the back of the room there were two tables with tablecloths and bottles of liquor and wine and ice and and uh beer and so the the writers walk in and, and oh and there were two bartenders and they look at this display and they got furious they said what does she think this is a party we're on deadline we're working and so all the anger towards me shifted back to her, where it belonged, by the way. Um, and so she she kept everybody out for the whole rest of the season. And then I guess in the off season, somebody talked sense into her and she let us in. We're speaking with Diane Kayshaw about her new memoir about a different time in sports writing for women, especially a farewell to arms, legs and jock straps. When you look at the landscape now and things have clearly changed, um, but, but what do you see? If I were 25 years old today, I probably would think nothing of it. This is the way it's done. Um, but in the seventies and eighties and even into the nineties, um, before ESPN got so big, um, 
we had the athletes to ourselves. I could, first of all, go into, say, the Dodgers locker room an hour or so before the game. They're all in there. And you sit down next to this one, you chat with that one, you pick up stuff that way. After the game, you go in the locker room, they're still all there. Um, That isn't the case today. And I won't go into this long story, but um, back, one of the first stories I ever did in the 70s, Jim Palmer, who was one of the best pitchers in baseball, typically won 20 games, complete games, um, I I wanted a story about him, and I was given directions to his house in Maryland. I got there late morning. I was there till I don't know, it's 5.30. He says, oops, I better get, I got to get to the ballpark. He was pitching that night. It was September. The uh, Orioles were fighting the Red Sox for first place, and they were playing the Red Sox. It was the most important game of the season for Jim Palmer, and he spent the day with a reporter. Now imagine that today, LeBron James. <laughs> the world has changed. The world has changed. I remember when I was covering uh, Roger Clemens. Um, yeah. <laughs> he yes. he had a policy. He wouldn't talk to the media the day before he pitched. Either <laughs> forget about the day he pitched. He wouldn't talk to you the day before he pitched. He said, "I remember. I think the first time asking, like, can we talk to you, Roger? He's like, No, no, I'm hurling tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean, nobody cares about the struggles of, of sports reporters, but." But I meant specifically for women now. I mean, you know, um, you were one of the pioneers. You helped break down these doors. But when you look at the industry now, um, what do you think still has to change, if anything, in terms of equity uh, for women who are in this field? Uh, There are so many women now um, and and so many really, really talented women covering sports on TV and and in uh, print. what I hear, uh, look, there are always going to be obnoxious men. There's always going to be some guy in the locker room that's maybe going to give you a problem. Um, I, I knew male reporters that didn't like being in the locker room and that had problems with some of the athletes. Um, there was a guy from the Boston Globe, Will McDonough. He got into fighting matches with, with a couple of guys, you know, punching them out. Um so, you, so you're going to have yeah, that. Yeah, who, who was the guy he punched? I forget. I, I can't who, who remember. Was the, was defensive back, <laughs> yeah. I think Will McDonough. I mean, I've heard the story has been kind of like exaggerated. I mean, but he did he did strike him. Yes, they, they got into a fight. <laughs> uh, Vince Doria will re- refresh my memory when when we're done with this. Uh, what you know, one thing I do hear um, from from women, you know, the the whole social media thing that the nasty tweets and stuff that they have to put up with. Um, when I was active, uh, you had to write a letter. <laughs> and most of the letters I got were from prisoners, I guess, who had nothing else to do. Um, and they get very upset by some of these uh, tweets or texts or emails that they get. They're nasty. Um, I, I'm surprised that it bothers them, frankly, because, first of all, who who's written this stuff? I mean, some idiot somewhere. And if your name is at all well-known, you're going to get this kind of stuff. I mean, the most famous, beloved athletes get it. It's ugly. It's ugly, though, Diane. I mean, I, I think social media is like the end of the world, and what uh, women in the industry have to endure is just beyond. By the way, uh, our producer, Dan Zakshevsky, just chimed in in my ear. Raymond Claiborne was the patriot oh. <laughs> uh, who had the scuffle with Will McDonough. Thank you. Thank you, Dan yes. Zakshevsky, for the assist there. Um uh, 
Diane, it's really been a pleasure. I'm afraid uh, we have to wrap up our conversation, but it's a terrific book and a testament to a remarkable career. Diane K. Shaw's new memoir is a farewell to arms, legs, and jock straps. Diane, it was great catching up. Thanks for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.